0: Hello and welcome to the Can Do Equine podcast, teaching you to train your own horse using ethical, sustainable and evidence-based methods. Do it for your horse. Right, hello. Today we're talking about the unhandled horse. Now, it's a, it's a rather sort of general term. I'm going to be talking really about wild horses initially, but that's gonna also be really relevant for a lot of horses that are domesticated. So I'm basing this on an untouched horse. So a brumby or a Mustang, that sort of thing, a wild horse. But um, you can, it does also apply to um, uneducated domestic horses or young horses, and also to horses that um, perhaps have been badly handled and you're retraining them. Quite often, it's best to take these horses right back to basics, you know, right back to the beginning so that you can um, not just fill those, um, not just sort of fill the gaps, but actually get the horse a proper foundation where you're both feeling safe and confident with each other. And this is this is a fairly common occurrence with horses that have been badly started in particular. So it, very useful for all of those things. So it's wonderful if you have a round pen. Now, the reason it's wonderful to have a round pen is because it's a very safe enclosure for the horse and it has no corners and the the problem with corners is if the horse feels chased which I'll talk about later it's really important that we don't chase the horse but if the horse does feel chased it can get stuck in that corner and it can panic then you know it's it's quite scary for a horse it's feeling chased It's got to a place where it feels that it can't escape from and it might attempt to jump the fence or um, certainly get itself into some trouble there. So you're much better off with a round pen if you have one. If you don't have one and you're working the halls, just in the smallest safe enclosure that you've got would be good. A small yard works well. Um, if you're using an arena, then you're just going to have to be extra careful that you get that emotional level right so that you don't um, make the horse anxious. So those are just some things to consider about um, where to work the horse. So the first thing we do need to do is to make contact with the horse. So whether you're you've got an untouched horse that's just straight out of the wild or whether you've got a horse that's actually being restarted because it's had a bad start or a bad experience, or perhaps it's become dangerous or something, then the first contact is really important. And I think in both cases, what we need to realize we're doing is we're actually laying a whole new foundation. So for the horse that's been badly handled, I know it's hard to do, but what I want you to do is to put that history out of your mind. Treat it like a blank slate. This is going to be very new for those sorts of horses, just as it is for the horse that's just come in from the wild. It's all very new. So we need to treat both horses in the same way and give them the opportunity to learn with us. If we assume that the horse is rude or pushy or or anything like this, then we're going to treat the horse differently. So it's very important that we don't have these assumptions and we don't make assumptions about what the horse is thinking. So the first contact is with the actual wild horses, can be quite difficult. Um, and it, it's the thing that takes some time. Once you get past that first contact, it's pretty easy, but the first contact can be difficult. I feel it's something worth going through with um, the, the retraining as well. So what I want the horse to do in that case is accept the first content contact quite happily. Whereas often if horses that have been badly treated and are going through this, you know, first handling process again, I'm um, very keen on being contacted at all. So this is an important step for them. Now, a lot of people do this with food. Uh, I, I don't have anything against food, um, but I don't think that if you have a very anxious horse, that it's going to be very useful for you. Um, what often happens with food is that the horse will come close, grab some and run. Um, and so really, yes, you're getting sort of contact, but you're also getting flee. So what, what is the horse learning? Is the horse learning that you provide food, which you're going to anyway, right? Um, or is the horse learning to flee from you? Well, it's probably learning to flee from you because that is going to be the more important behavior for the horse. You know, being prey animals, fleeing is very important for them. They need to know that they can get away. And so that's the behavior that they'll remember. So I I don't like to use it. It also, if you've got a very anxious horse, then food is going to be quite confusing for that horse. I don't find with an anxious horse trying to teach things with food is very successful. So that's just my feeling about it. Um, you obviously have to feed the horse anyway. So I would always try and pair the feeding of the horse with releasing the pressure. So you feed and you leave the pen and, um, or you feed and you verbally praise the horse because this is the praising the horse is a problem with unhandled horses. You know, it's our favorite form of positive reinforcement. You know, it's the easiest form, isn't it? Say, Oh, good boy. Good boy. You know, and later on, of course, give the horse a scratch on the wither. That's another great form of positive reinforcement, but with the untouched horse, you know, they're scared enough. Then you say, good boy, and they go, oh my God, it makes noise, you know. So that's even worse for the horse. So what we need to do quite quickly is to pair that, that voice with a reward of some kind. So food works well with that. So you could put the food down and you could say good boy as you leave the pen. So it's the horse is then associating the food with your leaving, that's a release of pressure and that verbal positive reinforcement of the good boy. And so they're all good things to pair together. Um, Just trying to bribe the horse with, you know, a biscuit of hay to, you know, come in and be handled. I don't think it's a solid enough foundation for you. I think what we really need to do right at the beginning is introduce the horse to pressure release. And because that's really the basis of how we're going to be training the horse for the rest of its career, pressure release. And it's, it's what horses use with each other. You know, they, they do, you know, they move each other with pressure release like the horse horses in the paddock. You know, if you throw one biscuit of hay and you've got five horses out there, the one that gets the hay obviously is going to be the most dominant horse out there. And he doesn't need to beat up all the other horses. He just looks at them like this and, and they all leave because you know that's that's pressure. It gets released when they leave. And that's what horses do. You know, you never see horses sort of go, Oh, you know, I'll I'll share my hay with you, you know, if you're nice to me later or something. They don't they don't do that. And it's just it's not um, the way they're built, it's not what helps them survive. What helps them survive is responding. Um, to pressure and finding a release of pressure and that's what they're very good at so we want to introduce that quite quickly although you want to do it um, carefully as well and I've only had one situation I'll tell you about this where you know you're often told um, the way to release pressure with an unhandled horse is to completely look away from it so and, and I think that that is true I think that you're even your gaze with the completely unhandled horse is pressure. And so, you know, it's a good idea to look away from the horse, but don't look away completely from the horse. I was in a round pen with a Brumby stallion that was actually, the pen itself was still in the bush. The horse had just been trapped. And I was doing a little bit of work with this horse and I thought, I need to give him a rest. So I thought, I'll just, Um, you know turn away from him and a bit and you know lower my eyes and not look at him and just out of the corner of my eye I saw him coming for me mouth open and I put my hand up and he actually bit a bit out of my hand but I was terribly lucky it wasn't my nose Um, and then I thought right okay I'm gonna have to be much more careful here because he's obviously during the time that i was working him he was giving me those little signals that you know i should get out of his round pen you know really i should move and i wasn't going anywhere and so what happened is he had to escalate because i wasn't listening to him and so as soon as he saw me um listen to him or take pressure off him then he he went for me which is fair enough i mean that's what that's what horses do isn't it so Silly me. If I wanted to give him a break, I should have actually left the round pen um, and given him a break. So I think it is important that we introduce the horses to pressure release, but I think, it's in, I think we need to still be quite careful, especially in situations like that. If you're working, uh, probably especially stallions, but unhandled horses, be very aware that they're, they're fast and, and they are watching you. They're absolutely watching you much more than domesticated horses are. Um, so what we want to do is we we want to get small movements and release we want, the last thing we want to do is ever chase the horse we don't want the horse ever to be running from us so that's the most important thing so what we want the horse to do is make a small movement when cues do so so that we can release that pressure and that might just be walking forward a little so again you know we have got to think about things that are pressure and what's pressure in the round pen? Well, you know, often we think about the round pen, you think about throwing the lariat at the horse and hitting the horse on the rump with the lariat to make it go forward. And that's the most extreme pressure we can use in the round pen. That's right at the top there. So what's at the bottom? What can we start with? We can start with just looking at the horse, okay? Um, that is pressure, especially for an untouched horse. The next one up will be voice. So we could cluck to the horse to make it move. Um, and that's a good one to use because you can still stand still. To increase that, we might use an arm gesture. So lift, your, lift one arm, for example, to ask the horse to move forward. An unhandled horse will usually move forward from that. The next thing is we might lift both arms and next thing is, we might take a step towards the horse or behind, towards behind the horse to ask it forward. And then, you know, if none of those things um, works, then if we had a rope, we could lift the rope, flap the rope. Then we could move up to actually throwing the rope to two meters behind the horse. Then we could increase to throwing the rope to one meter behind the horse. If the horse still isn't moving, then your final thing would be to throw the rope and maybe have it land on the horse's rump. So we have all these different layers of pressure to work through before we ever have to throw something at the horse. Um, And most horses, unless you've got a domesticated horse and one that, that is in for retraining, that's been badly handled, and that horse might well have been very desensitized to pressure. Um, then you might end up having to throw the lariat at the horse. But it's it's a last resort. So on that subject of what is pressure in the round pen, so we've got the horse in the round pen, let's say we've got him walking forward, that's good. I want you to be really aware of when you have pressure on the horse and when you don't, because what I've found with young horses, unstarted horses or untouched horses, is that just walking Behind them is pressure for them. So you know, we just sort of feel that we're walking around. We're watching the horses. We're walking around, but for the horse, we're chasing it. It might be really slowly, but we're still chasing it. And so that horse, you know, that horse's emotional level can go up quite high without us really realizing we're putting it under pressure. So be careful what you're doing because all of your body movements affect the horse. I've seen people in the in the round pen for the first time and if you haven't used a lariat, you know, they're quite a hassle to roll up. You have to roll them with a twist. You know, they, they, they are, they're great because they, they're stiff so they don't get caught in the horse's feet or anything. They're very good, but they are a hassle to roll up, you know, that you need to be careful then as well because you don't want to just forget about the horse. Let's say your horse is walking or trotting around the round pen. You can't then forget about the horse (laughs) and undo your lariat knot. You've actually got to keep focused on the horse and you've got to make sure that your body language is the same so you're not flapping around with the lariat and doing this with the lariat because the horse is going, oh, my God, what does that mean? So all of these things are really important that but just make sure that your focus stays on that horse because you can guarantee that horse is going to be giving you a hundred percent of its attention. If it's, um, you know, not been in this situation before, if this is new for the horse, you are definitely going to have its attention in that round pen. So it's very important that you give all of your attention to the horse. And while you're doing this little pressure release, so it might be, um, let's say you work your way up to a clock or lift your hand to ask the horse forward. And when the horse goes forward, then stop. Stop all your cues for forward. Because you want the horse to go forward until you ask it to do something else. So if it does then stop, then cue it again for forward. And when it does go forward, start then to pair that positive reinforcement of voice, especially if you've got an untouched horse, because it really is very useful for all of them. It's very useful, but you know, it's, it's quite alarming when you first, you know, have your first untouched horse and you get it in the round pen and you start to ask it to do something. And then you say, good boy. and it goes Ooh. So it's important that we pair that with something positive. And the positive thing is, is the release of pressure. So that bit of positive reinforcement becomes positive reinforcement because we've paired it with a release of pressure. So the next thing is um, we wanna start to touch the horse. So really, you know, the first touch um, and it's gonna depend a little bit where you touch the horse will depend a little bit on your horse's history. So if the horse is absolutely unhandled, like straight from the wild I personally have found they're mostly easiest to touch somewhere behind the girth line. You need to be careful because some of those horses are very good kickers. So if you're going in too far, too fast, then you will get kicked. Um, And that's that's a really bad deal so it might not be the case of you know others are, are great to touch on the face it's quite the hardest probably the hardest thing to do is to walk straight up to the horse and pat it down its face because what happens is your hand goes straight into the blind spot of the horse can't actually see you coming so it, that's quite scary for the horse so really approach the horse at the side now in the side of the horse's neck here is where the mother nuzzles it and things so that's a really nice place to start if you can start there that would be good and the same with the young horses they're always best to start there Um, and the badly handled horses should hopefully be used to being approached anyway but um, just if you try to get to the horse on the left side it is much easier because we are so used to doing things on the left hand side of the horse doesn't make any difference to the horse But we all know that the halter buckles up on the left and everything really happens like that on the left hand side of the horse first so it will make it easier for you if you can get to the left hand side of the horse so when you're in the round pen i think it is very important to remember not to chase the horse so we want the horse to learn these cues to go forward and to stop and to turn and face so those three things, the horse shouldn't need to get out of trot to learn that. And you remember, I said before, that the horse is going to be giving you all of its attention. So you don't want to work this horse for very long, and you want to give it lots of breaks. So I tend to work for 10, 10 or 15 minutes, and then I will um, give the horse a drink and some food, and I'll leave it for a while, and then I'll come back and maybe do another 10 or 15 minutes. So do little blocks of work like that so that the horse can cope with it mentally. Otherwise, what you end up with is a horse that's basically just um, sort of been exhausted into submission, either mentally or physically. And so it hasn't really learned the lesson. It's, it's tired, so it's allowing you to do whatever you're doing it's not a solid lesson for the horse and that's not a horse that's going to be willing or terribly willing to participate next time and we want this to be a really positive experience for the horse so I think that's important so our next step is now we've made that first contact is to do some sacking out and that's a really old-fashioned term but basically what we want to do is start to touch the horse and another thing I've found with horses is that the it's it's one thing to touch with one hand. When you introduce two hands, it's quite something else. So these really untouched horses. So start with one um, and work your way from the neck down. And what you want the horse to do is just to stand. If the horse moves off, that's fine. And I just get the horse to maybe do one round of the pen at walk or trot when cued to do so. And then ask it to stand still again. So remember, you know, we can't teach a horse to stand still because we can't stop the horse from moving its feet. So the only way we can teach it to stand still is by correction, which is the same thing as punishment. And it doesn't work very well with horses. So if the horse decides to leave, that's fine. But get it to leave, but get it to leave and then do something you want it to do. Like maybe go up into trot. If it just wanders off, maybe you could ask it to trot and then you offer it the opportunity to stop again, to stop and relax again. And the horse will probably take that opportunity to stop and relax again. So then you are teaching the horse to stop, but it's not you, unless you can set that horse's feet in concrete, you can't, train it to stop you can offer it the opportunity you can set it up really nicely for the horse so it is the easiest thing to do and the horse actually wants to do it and you can put a cue on it but but that's about all because otherwise you really quickly end up down that route of punishment because what do you do if the horse steps forward when you've asked it to stop you step it back and by stepping it back you're trying to stop it you're trying to make that behavior of stepping forward less likely in the future which is punishment right because with um, reinforcement what we're doing is trying to make the behavior more likely to occur in the future so that's where you tell the difference so if you ever wonder am i punishing the horse are you doing something that will make a behavior less likely to occur in the future then that is defined as punishment alternatively are you doing something that will make the behavior more likely to occur in the future then that's what we call reinforcement so it's important to have the horse unrestrained i think for this sacking out because what it shows you is where your horse's emotional level is like if the horse is really not ready to be sacked out Um, it's going to leave, right? So that tells you, okay, well, I haven't quite got this horse at the place that I need it to be able to sack it out. Whereas if you halter the horse straight away, or let's say with your badly handled horse or your young horse that already wears a halter and you physically restrain it, then you don't really know how that horse is perceiving the lesson. So I would rather have it um, take a little bit longer and have the horse unrestrained. So the next thing you want to teach is um, turn and face me, which can be done also um, while you're sacking out the horse. So what I tend to do is rub the horse all down one side and then I step sort of backwards and away from the horse and I tap my hip. And the reason I use that cue is because it gets their attention And also I can use it anywhere. So I use that as a come to me cue. So when I'm in the paddock and I tap my hip or I I do this, the horses come. Just you you need a cue that you've got wherever you are. So that's a a really good one. Uh, I want the horse to always step forward when coming to me. So if I step far enough away and backwards, what will happen is the horse will watch me do that. So once I get the horse's eyes following me, then pretty quickly the head will follow and then the neck and then the feet will follow those things. So once I get the eyes, then I get the head, then the neck, then the feet. And that's what I want. So make sure you're in a position when you ask for this, that the horse can actually do that. So if the horse is right up against the fence, this won't work because you don't really have very far to go. It's quite awkward for the horse to do that. So um, stepping back and away, but watch those feet. You know, you do want those feet walking forward when the horse turns and faces you. So now in your stacking out time as well, it's a good idea to get the horse used to a long lead rope, like a nice soft long lead rope. Um, And also the halter. So just ball up a halter and sack the horse out with that. That's a, that's a really good thing to do as well. The next thing is that we want to do is put the halter on the horse. Now, there's a couple of steps involved with this. And the first one is that the horse you know, needs to be fine with you around its face. So just being able to rub its face, and rub over its eye and up over its ears, so all of those things are involved in the sacking out, of course. Um, And one thing about halters is that, you know, we get used to sort of putting them on the nose and then flicking the bit over the top of the head. We do. We get really used to doing that, which is not brilliant because it can bang the horse in the eye and it's pretty awkward and you really don't want the first introduction to a halter to look like that. So what I do is take hold of the long headpiece with the buckle holes on it, and put the whole thing, just holding the buckle end, put the whole thing over the other side of the horse's neck, and then just open up with your hands the um, the nose bit, and put that up over the horse's nose, and then drop it down again, and put it up, and drop it down again, and. And that works really well so you'll know if the horse stays still when you do that that the horse is happy with that and that's all right and then pick it up one more time then you've got the buckles here in your right hand and the um the whole of the buckles here in your right hand on the headpiece. and then you can just buckle it up uh, buckle it up you know snugly because you don't want the horse kicking at it or something with its foot um, when you let it go in case, you know, if it doesn't like it and tries to scratch it off or something, you certainly don't want its foot getting caught in it. So do buckle it up quite snugly. Um, And then what I do then is I put the nice soft lead rope over the horse's neck, right up where the head collar is. And I just apply gentle pressure to the side. So just moving the horse to the side. I then put do my cue, I tap my hip, And I ask the horse to turn and face me, but I just add this gentle pressure with the lead rope. And the reason I don't tie it to the halter is because if the horse, you know, runs away, if I've got this all wrong and the horse really isn't ready for this, I don't want the horse running away with the rope attached to the halter. Okay because that can be really dangerous. And then the horse ends up being chased by the rope attached to the halter and it gets really ugly. We need to teach the horse a few other things before we do that. It's just sometimes nice to have the halter on. So I do that pressure release, turn and phase me in both directions. I then do some more um, sacking out with my nice long lead rope. And this is basically to get the horse used to having the lead rope, over it or dragging next to it or anything else that might happen with that lead rope so the horse isn't afraid of the lead rope it's another great time with the lead rope to start to teach the horse to pick up its feet so if you wrap your nice soft lead rope just drop it between the horse's leg and um, just under the past in there and you can just pick up its foot like that it's a great way to start that exercise as well um, so the lead rope you could rub it all over the horse and you know go behind the horse and walk around the other side and horse stand still. That's all that's all really good if the horse is standing still. You know you're okay. If the horse isn't standing still, then you know you need to do a little bit more work and probably some walk and trot transitions would be a good idea then. So then we want to get on to actually leading the horse. And we need the horse to walk forward when we're leading. So we don't want to pull the horse forward. I think it's really important that we don't pull the horse forward. Um, So it's a good time then to introduce the dressage whip. Now, the reason I use this is because it's long. And so I don't have to move much to use it. And you can use that before you even clip the head collar on just to teach the horse to go forward. what is a good idea is to put first a verbal cue on it. So a, like that for movement and then lift the whip towards the rump. And if the horse doesn't move, just tap lightly with the whip. And the horse will learn that pattern. Each time that happens, the horse is asked to walk forward. The horse learns the pattern. So you cluck, then you lift the whip and then you tap with the whip and the horse moves forward. And so quite quickly, because the horse doesn't want to be tapped with the whip. Quite quickly the horse starts to respond when you lift the whip. And then before you know it, the horse is walking forward when you cluck. And so that, that works really well. Um, so now would be a good time to clip the lead rope on. And we want to teach the horse to lead. So I tend to face the back of the horse to start with, to teach this. I never want to pull the horse forward. Because if I do that, the horse can brace against me and is always going to win that argument. Um, And the horse will probably start running backwards, in which case I'm then going to be chasing the horse backwards and it just gets really ugly. So I always want to be teaching the horse to move forward from behind. So from the hindquarters. So I'll turn around, I'll face the hindquarters, standing right next to the horse's head. I'll cue it with my pluck. To walk forward, and then I'll raise the whip if that doesn't work, and then I'll tap with the whip until I get forward movement. When I get forward movement, I'll turn around and walk next to the horse's shoulder. And the horse will learn this really quickly. You don't want to be tapping behind, you know, don't rush this if you've got an unhandled horse, really. It's a, the it's a most important thing that this young horse will learn is leading it's so important because everything follows from this so if you you then move to having a one extra cue which is a little bit of pressure on the head collar so that becomes your first cue or your voice altogether. together um and then you but you add that to your list you might use voice head collar lift the whip, tap with the whip, something like that. So your voice is usually your best one to always use first because it's the lightest one. But you do want the horse to learn to give to pressure. So this is really the first time the horse is learning to give to pressure. We put a bit of pressure on the horse, move forward, you release it. And that's, that's a great learning experience for the horse because it's a real feeling. The horse can really feel that pressure. Whereas in the round pen, when we were asking the horse to move forward, it was all sort of emotional pressure, really. Because we weren't really touching the horse, now it's got this physical pressure that it can feel being released when it steps forward, and that's wonderful because it's this, first, this horse's first real experience of pressure release, and that's what is going to be used for the rest of its training. And so by now, of course, the horse is going to be quite used to that positive reinforcement of voice as well. So when the horse does walk forward, you can say, oh, "Good boy." you probably even start adding that scratch because you've done all that sacking out. So if you, you pair the scratch with the good boy, then, you know, the horse will really understand this is positive reinforcement. Um, so now that we're leading the horse, we really started to take control of its feet, which is fantastic because that's actually where we want to go for the rest of this horse's career. So controlling the feet is is great. We, we've introduced the horse to pressure release. We've walked forward. And now we can start to introduce the horse to pressure release with a little bit of reverse arc. So we can move closer to the horse and the horse should step away from us a little bit. And that's, again, that's just using our body language to move the horse and um, control its feet. So that's a, another very good use of pressure release in the early stages these are these early stages are what set your horse up for success for the rest of its career so it is very important that the horse understands this and what the horse is learning is that there will be a pressure it might be a voice it might be a physical pressure cue like a hand or pressure on my head collar but I find an answer in movement. You have to move something. You need movement to train. Might just be moving his nose to the left or right. It's still movement. And then there is a release. The pressure goes away. And so what the horse starts to do is starts to look for the release. The horse develops this shopping list of possible responses. So it feels pressure. It's Oh, okay. Well, let me see. Maybe that's step left. Maybe it's turn my head to the left or maybe it's put my head down maybe it's something else um and when it finds the right one the pressure gets released so the horse then starts to um, pair those two things oh so when i feel pressure on my head collar um downwards then i move my head down and it gets released and the horse makes that connection because you've taught a good pattern that's another great lesson actually is head down once you've got the head collar on to teach head down so with that You just put a little bit of pressure on the head collar and watch the horse's ear tip. Just watch the very tip of the ear. And as soon as you see that drop, even a tiny bit, release the pressure and praise the horse. And then do it again. And the horse might only move down this much and then it might move straight back up again afterwards. Don't worry, just say, oh, that's great. It gives me another opportunity to train you. And then next time it will move down this much. And the next time it will move down this much. And before you know it, its head will be really low. It's a very quick thing to teach. It's a very useful exercise because you're going to need that later when you bridle the horse. Um, and it's a very clear lesson for the horse in pressure release. And it's very clear for you as well because it's easy to teach. So um, I do recommend that you teach that. I, I think what you need to be careful of is not to teach anything that's not going to be useful. And also when you are teaching these, especially these young horses or unhandled horses things, be careful to be really observant about just what behaviors they're doing when you cue something. So let's say you've decided to teach the horse to back up. Now, this is not something I ever teach a young horse. Um, I think we, i leave back up until well after i've got sort of canter um and the horse is going well in canter and there's reasons for that there's a lot of reasons for that firstly um is the one i'm going to say now what teaching back up often results in the horse throwing its head up or at least raising its head um and depending on how you teach it it can actually result in the horse throwing its head up quite high if you've ever seen anyone teach it by jiggling the rope around under the horse the horse is going like this well that, that's something you never want the horse to do you know i never want the horse to throw its head up i can't think of one situation under saddle or on the ground where i would want the horse to throw its head up and if you can email me <laughs> um you know it's it's so against everything we're trying to do with the horse the other problem with throwing your head up is that it's a precursor to rearing because once the horse throws its head up really high and horses often learn these things with just a very few repetitions once it throws its head up really high the only other place it has to go is up with its front feet because that's the only way to get higher and it's very easy to teach i've taught a horse to rear in three minutes by using on purpose by using that very technique i was releasing with the horse lifting its head and it took me three minutes to get this horse rearing like just standing up on its back legs completely standing up on its back leg um and that is how easy it is to teach so what i'm saying is be aware of all of the behaviors your horse is showing when you're teaching something or when you're handling these unhandled horses because they'll pick up everything you teach whether you wanted to teach it or not whether it's a good behavior or not they'll they will learn it so that's why i don't teach backup for a while um and that's why the head down cue is so nice um and reverse arc is nice anything that asks the horse to go forward and praises the horse so i think that's basically my first set of handling for the young horse. I've got it to the stage now there where I can catch it and lead it, which is the important things. So things to remember, um, four things here. First of all, that everything is positive. I want you to be as proactive as you can and not reactive at all. So, you know, have an idea of what you're going to teach. Know what your cue is, know what your motivator is, know when the horse has performed the behavior you want it to perform and therefore when to release and when to reward so those things you know you really do need to know to be proactive the last thing we want to be is reactive because as soon as we become reactive we're way behind the eight ball and that's not fair on the horse so Oh, the next thing is to, you know, we are working in a round pen, if you have one, but if even if you don't, wherever you're working, the biggest rule is just never chase the horse. You know, the, just never chase the horse. The horses are developing this shopping list of possible responses. If you put flight in there, then flight will always be a possible response. It's very hard to get rid of that response because it's a natural behaviour horses are programmed to flee um so if you introduce that as a possible response then expect to see it under saddle because it's there so don't chase the horse we don't want to tire the horse out a tired horse isn't learning these are mental things we're doing with this horse this is mental training not physical training we try not teach the horse cues we're not trying to exhaust the horse or we're not trying to train its muscles to do something special we're just trying to teach it cues so it's really all the training is going on between its ears don't correct is the next thing you know because correction is punishment it's the same thing find something the horse can do right so Rather than looking at what the horse is doing, let's say the horse is running around the pen bucking or something, um, try and find something the horse can do and then do that rather than addressing that behaviour that you don't want. Because by trying to address the behaviour that you don't want, you're going to end up punishing the horse, and that's sort of a downhill slide. The best way to engage a horse is with praise. So find something it can do and then praise it doing that and finally watch for confusion so you know certain things are going to confuse a horse and horses when they're learning they're going to be a little bit confused at the beginning it's like us you know when we when we learn algebra at school right we're a bit confused in the beginning but we got it That's sort of part of learning is to be a little bit confused in the beginning that's okay that's just the horse working it out But if it was remains confused, then you've got a real problem because you're not getting your message across. Some things I find that horses find confusing in my experience. So a horse would be going along nicely with a lesson using pressure release. If I then introduce food, horses can get quite confused about that. Um, Food for me works for some horses for some things. If you have a very anxious horse, then... I find food is quite confusing for those horses. So I start with pressure release. If I want to use food later as a secondary reinforcer, I can bring that in if necessary. But not initially because, you know, horses just aren't the same. As I see, humans are conditioned to see food as a show of love and as positive reinforcement. You know, you have a birthday, they give you a cake. Horses not, you know, horses graze for 16 hours a day. What's a bit more food to them? It's not meaningful in the same way as it is to dogs, for example. No, dogs are predators. They, they might not get a feed for days and days and days. Food's very rewarding for dogs. You know, I give my dog the tiniest little snack of broccoli or something. It's like Christmas. But, you know, if I offer that to my horse, he'll go, oh, yeah, that's great. But if I offer it to him and say, you know, I'll give you this if you get on the trailer, he's like, you're joking. <laughs> it's like, Why would I get on the trailer? <laughs> um, and, you know, horses, if you, if you have an anxious horse, if you look at horses that are anxious in the field or in the wild, they are running. Right? And that's what horses do. When they get really scared, they go. And they are not eating on the way. You know that they're not going to the drive-through for a quick loosened char. Nah, they're gone, and they're not thinking about food. Food is not there, so you, you can't bring a horse's emotional level down with food in the same way as you can with us and a pizza and Netflix. You know, doesn't work like that with horses. You know, if they're anxious, they're anxious, and you need to find another way to relieve their anxiety because food will not bring it down for them. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit com, and I'll see you next time.